Vine, how books are put together. I'm your host, book designer Holly Dunn, and today I'm talking with a team of designers from HarperCollins in the US. The four designers are Aaron Fitzsimmons, Alison Clapthor, Jesse Gang, and David Curtis. And we talk a bit about some of their individual projects for HarperCollins, as well as how they work together as a team. Without further ado, here is the HarperCollins team. Say what your roles are as well. Okay. Uh, I'm Dave, I'm a senior designer. And I'm Jesse, and I'm a designer. I'm Alison Clapthor, and I'm an art director. And Aaron Fitzsimmons, and I'm also an art director. Great. So we've got a good range of, of people. Yeah. <laughs> Different perspectives should be really good. Um, so yeah. I thought we'd start off with maybe if, if one of you could just explain a little bit about the, the structure and how your roles interact. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Erin. Um, so we have a really great team. We have a ton of designers on our team. I think the latest count is around 16. And we do mostly middle grade and teen novels with the occasional picture book and nonfiction and, you know, anything else kind of thrown in between. Um, and we work on two teams where we have a number of designers that that pick up and work for a variety of editorial teams and art directors. So we, any novel that comes out of HarperCollins or Harper Teen imprint, um, we're concepting and coming up with the the concepts for the covers and getting them through the approval process. Um, there's a lot of people that are involved and it's a, it's a great team to work with. So you guys are working quite closely together at various times. Yeah, we have um, kind of within our teams, we work with our editorial teams most um, directly. So we'll have biweekly meetings with the editorial teams where we're showing different concepts for the covers at various stages. And then we kind of develop them with the editors and with our art directors and the creative director. And then we bring them into the sales and marketing and, and greater team um, for feedback as we as we work on them. So it's a lot, it's a lot of productive and collaborative collaborative meetings. So you said you have bi-weekly meetings. What what does your week kind of look like? I know it must be quite varied, but what would an average week look like for you guys? So Mondays we kind of start start off our Mondays with production meetings where we're kind of reminded of the status of all our, our titles and we kind of keep everything on track. And then Mondays are preparing for the, the week for the cover meeting. So Tuesdays we'll meet with one edit one set of editorial teams. And then on Thursdays we meet with the other set of editorial teams. And Wednesday is our day when we show the um, sales and marketing group cover. So throughout the week, kind of like developing covers at different stages and showing them at different stages to the various teams. And then Fridays tend to be a little bit quieter, which is nice. <laughs> well, it's really quiet. <laughs> that sounds like a lot to juggle. It's a lot, but it's, I think it's structured really well in that we have a good pacing and, and um, a lot of time built in to show the teams that need to see things and keep things moving on a timely manner. We work in three seasons. Um, I know each publisher is a little bit different, but we have three seasons that we kind of work towards. And so we're right in the middle of finishing up our um, summer 19 list, and then we're going to start right on into the fall 19 list in um, mid to late June. So we're, you know, it all kind of works really well, and I think we have a good flow here. Yeah, you sort of forget how far ahead you're working sometimes. That's. <laughs> Do you sort of forget that you've you've done a book and and then see it in a bookshop ever? All the time. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, we try and remember when you know books. I always forget when the book goes on sale, so I'm always constantly reminding myself, "Oh, right, that book is on sale today," even though we got the finished copies like two months before. Yeah. I'm book. always forgetting what year it is in general because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that must be a hazard. So how many titles would you have on the go at once as a team? Well, so for Alison and I, where we're art directing titles, we have anywhere between like 25 to 35 that we're overseeing on each season. And then we try and keep the designers list smaller because they're really 
doing a lot of the design work and and the actual kind of developing work. So their list, we try and keep them to like eight to ten new titles each season. You know, each list is a little bit different. You know, summer for some reason tends to be a big list. There's a lot of books on those lists, so we try and space them out as much as we can. But between all of our teams, yeah, it's a lot. I think. We publish a lot of books at Harper, so that's why it helps to have such a big and awesome team. I guess when you're working with kids' books, it must be a little bit different from from the adult market as well, because you've got this summer holidays and you probably are aiming to get a lot of books out for that. Would that be correct? Back to school and, yeah, I don't know, Easter, like a big kid holiday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not Easter, but it's like springtime will be like a kid holiday mm-hmm. and Christmas, of course. But yeah, there's all, I'm, I'm trying to think what all the little kid holidays are, but of course, back to school, we don't really think of as a holiday in, um, as an adult, but kids, it's definitely on their radar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. When I was a kid, that was a holiday. All, yeah. the, all the supplies and yeah. the new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're optimistic. Well, at yeah. least I was back then. Of like, I'm going to read a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I thought we, we've got a, a list of, of titles here that um, I'd like to go through, and some a fantastic variety of stuff here as well. So I've got a couple for each of you. So I thought we'd go through one each and then circle back round and do the others so to start with um start with jesse's wild rescuers Uh, so guardians of the tiger is that right yep guardians of the tiger yeah (laughs) so this one um we had a lot of fun with because it's actually uh written by a, a popular youtuber and um, it's based off of her famous like dog craft series, which is on Minecraft. And we kind of had a fun, um, we went through a fun concept of like trying to find balance between fantasy and uh, Minecraft, which we had no idea of. But thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, Allison clapped or is kid he knew what Minecraft was. And so through <laughs> him, we kind of figured out what that whole process and gaming world looks like um and we were able to or lucky enough to work with vivian toe who's an amazing illustrator and she was able to bring together the balance of fantasy and the gaming aspect yeah we learned a lot (laughs) (laughs) and those those gorgeous wolves i i love the one that's winking Oh, yeah, so cute. Oh, yay, cute. And also on the back, if um, if you ever get a chance to see the full jacket cover on the back, there's oh a little goodness. wolf with uh, library glasses on. <gasps> <laughs> it's oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, and was... and the the typography because when I first looked at it, I sort of went. Why has this got kind of Minecraft typography? Because I wasn't yeah. I wasn't familiar yeah. with with Dogcraft, and then I looked it up and went, oh, right, that makes sense." <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm glad we hit that um that sweet spot of somebody figuring out that it was a little bit of a nod to Minecraft because yeah. we weren't sure how much to do that. It was a fine balance between like alienator alienating just readers of fantasy and then also and I think there's a stigma a little bit to Minecraft and we certainly didn't want to you know, lose some readers just to the the idea that they didn't know Minecraft or they weren't familiar with it. So that was one of the challenges in this, uh, in hitting the right notes in this book on the cover. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I kind of look at it and think it's, it's Minecraft meets Lara Croft meets Game of Thrones. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yay. That's what we what a great pitch. You should have written a copy for sure. <laughs> well, maybe not all things that you want to be targeting, you know, towards kids. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a lovely cover. I, I would love to have a picture of those wolves on my on my wall. They're just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Well, I have something completely different. Um, <laughs> so, Alison. Um, yeah. Your cover for The Girl Guide, I found this really interesting because I interviewed Marawa and Sinem oh, last good. year um, and, and talked about 
the process of the making this book and obviously it's it's gone over to the to the US and yeah. the cover is it's not dramatically different in that the colors right. are quite similar but um yeah I was just curious to know if you had kind of if you'd seen the the UK cover to start with and oh, yeah. working from that and, yeah, and that why was... why the changes were made sure um that's a good question and um Let's see, where do I start? Well, I also saw the UK cover and the UK book and I completely fell in love with it. So um, luckily it didn't have a US publisher. So I was able to talk with an editor I work with here quite a bit on nonfiction and sort of bring it to her attention. And I do this a lot and she's not always on board with my choices. <laughs> I like really weird books. And this was one of those books where it's a nice mix of um, something that we all need in the US, a book about um, girls, girls' bodies coming of age, and um, and also a bit of sort of, it's, it's pretty wacky. Like it's a wacky book, which yeah. I think we need here. Um, so yeah, I see that, I saw that cover. And a lot of times we don't keep a U.S., I mean, a U.K. version of our cover. So it's pretty standard for us to want to change them and make them our own. Um, and in that case, all those letters were formed by, I believe, the author's body. Yeah. I believe she made the entire title into a typeface using her body, which was extraordinary. But I think the U.K. gets a, away with a little bit of wackiness <laughs> that the U.S. market doesn't. And we certainly wanted this cover to be as accessible to all the moms of the United States and all the girls of the United States and not be something that looked a little bit, um, for lack of a better word, sort of alternative or, you know, just too crazy. And, and frankly, I think those bodies, um, it was a little hard to read, especially when you're looking at like an online snapshot where those covers are so small. So I wanted to uh, keep the general idea of having it be an all type cover and um Stenham was so great about giving me so many different versions and at the end of the day we just wanted to keep what was so cool about the entire book which is like these hot colors and this bold type that she uses everywhere and we decided to do an all type and then just use the eyes as the the letter eyes as the girls bodies that were still referring back to the UK cover but just making it super easy to read and super clean which also really fits the aesthetic of the entire book yeah, I love that. Oh, cool. So glad. And it, it definitely works very well as a thumbnail as well. You know, it's, it's just... Yeah, we're always... always so bold. Yeah. Yes, so, so bold. <laughs> um, and we're always asked to be looking at um, covers when we show them in our meetings. Um, one thing we're super um, conscious of is looking at them large. And then always next to the large image, we're asked to shrink it down to, I'd say, like 10, 20% of what we're looking at at large, uh, just so that people know what they look like on readers and on Amazon and all of that good stuff. So that's always on our mind. <laughs> For sure. And the inside of this book, does that, yeah. is that the same as the UK edition? 98 or 7% of it is exactly the same. <laughs> um, we do go through a pretty um, intense, what we call an Americanization process of yeah. tax. So a lot of those cute words they use in England and elsewhere we um, change just to the you know American English. And then I'd say there's maybe two or three images that unfortunately we had to alter. And actually one of, one of my favorites and probably the reason I found the book, I think it was Instagram where I saw <laughs> this really amazing image of for lack of a better word, I called it Butt Mountain. It was like these girls laying down in different colored tights and it from a distance it looks like these this purple mountain range and then you look closely and it's actually girls' butts and tights. And I loved it so much. And unfortunately they the editors here thought that it was just a little too much of like a sexualization of a body. So Cinnam and I worked pretty hard to change um the general idea of like girls' butts and tights, but we turned them around and we made them into little ballerinas and they had little tutus on. And so that, that one spread, unfortunately, got changed to sort of an American, uh, less sexy version. <laughs> but otherwise, I'd say a lot of the type is, or a lot of the art is the same because mm. we really loved it as is. Yeah, and it's, it's a wonderful book. I love it too. Thanks. All right, so we'll move on to David's cover, which is um, Heretics Anonymous. 
which ah. is just awesome. <laughs> so that's, wait, it's it's the crowning jewel of my portfolio. <laughs> so I, I think really what we're all wondering is, did you did you make the toast? <laughs> did you eat the toast? That's well, that's really it. <laughs> I did have a craving for toast after making this cover, but I mean, since so many people have asked that, regrettably, no, I didn't. I really should have tried harder to make this in person. I wish I had a stale piece of toast on my desk right now as a as a memorial, but no, it's uh, <laughs> I made it in Photoshop. Um, yeah, the, the idea of it, um, I was trying to. Because when I got this book, it's kind of this, um, it's an a, a atheist in a Catholic school making this club, um, and it's all different people, uh, atheists, people who are religious, um, and it has this kind of like David Sedaris-y humor to it, dry humor to the whole thing, and uh, it's actually really respectful of religion, so when I was trying to make imagery that was funny and also referencing the religion, I was really walking this tightrope and <laughs> trying to be as respectful as possible, but also make something funny. Um, so when I was researching that kind of thing, uh, it, was, it was a little dicey, and then I came across, the two things uh, that made me laugh really hard were the um, old fresco painting of Jesus that that woman <laughs> tried to touch up yeah. and made it look like a Muppet, and it was really funny. <laughs> Um, and the second was the um, the Virgin Mary and the toast, and it's it it seemed like a really good idea at the time because and and still now I'm not regretting it, um, but uh, it's a, like a story that everybody can recognize, everybody knows it, and it's so outrageous that I thought it was the perfect kind of like mixture of religious and and humor for this cover. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what I thought of when I when I saw this. Um, yeah. So did you experiment with with some different types of illustration on the toast? I did. Uh, it started out with a uh, a winking Jesus on the toast. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's really hard to get facial details in there. There's so many cracks in a piece of burnt toast. Uh, but uh, I... I knew I was on the right track when uh, people were walking by my desk and snickering at what I was working on. So, um, the idea of just the toast and the type in the toast seemed like uh, like enough, and the, the glowing Bible definitely helped. It's kind of like an iconic image that could relate to the group Heretics Anonymous. So, it um, yeah, it seemed to speak for itself. And when I show people, people immediately know what it is. And then the editor um, uh, Ben he's so great came up with the tagline a divine comedy which yeah. is just the <laughs> yeah i mean talk about a, a great title just to begin with even if you don't know anything about the book mm -hmm. it's it's very evocative yeah <laughs> yeah i really liked working on this one and, and from the, the interior to the the case uh, it's really put a lot of care into this one because it was so much fun mm. Oh, I'd love to see some of those um, other other illustrations. <laughs> the winking Jesus. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, they're all very rough. That's why I did it in Photoshop because if I yeah. did that, it'd take a really long time to, <laughs> to comp things up and finish one after a day and go, yeah, that doesn't look right, and have to start over. So yeah, I guess you'd have to make a plate of some sort yeah. to to burn into the toast or something. Yeah. That sounds really complicated. But yeah, I'd have to get some kind of burning kit. And yeah. <laughs> unplug my fire alarm and <laughs> yeah well i mean the fact that people wonder whether it was made with toast or not it I, I think shows that you've done an excellent job right yeah yeah maybe i should just start lying and telling people i did make it <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think out? i did yeah <laughs> all right so who have we got next erin and Erin's new cover, Heroin. Yeah, also very different from what we were just talking about. Kind yes. of opposite tone. Yeah. And yeah. this is very new as well. Very new, just revealed. Really yeah. excited about this one. Um, so this is Mindy McGuinness's new YA novel. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with Mindy's books, but she is one of my favorite authors to design for because she really just takes difficult topics and, and attacks them head on. And so for this one, she's, she's dealing with the story about a um, softball player who gets into a car accident and 
is prescribed opioids and then very quickly becomes addicted to them and then falls into this horrible situation where she can't afford the um, medication anymore. So she turns to heroin and it's this very harrowing and, and gritty and real story that I think is drawn from a lot of Mindy's experiences going to schools and talking to to people in local communities. She has this amazing letter at the beginning of the galley that um, explains kind of where the book originated from. And it's a huge problem, the opioid ep epidemic in the country. And I think Mindy's found a really beautiful way to address it. And she doesn't shy away from anything, all the, the dark parts and, and the realistic parts of it. So, you know, with her covers, it's it's kind of like this ominous thing where you feel like you have to come up with something really impactful and powerful that matches the storyline. So we started with a lot of very, um, like, for lack of a better word, stereotypical imagery. Like there was a lot of um, pills and needles and crushed white lines of powder. <laughs> it was like, you know, it just felt like that easy choice. And, and they worked and they weren't, you know, they weren't terrible, but they were kind of the expected way to go. And then the more and more we were talking about it, we're like, this book doesn't go the expected route that you think it would. So how can we do that differently? So we were talking, I was talking with the editor and I was like, the, the beautiful thing about this book is just the title and the multiple meanings and how, you know, the word heroin with an E and the word heroin without the E and, and really wanting to, you know, play that up on the cover. So I was like, what if the word repeats and you you see less and less of it? And once I started playing around with the actual words, I realized, oh, wow, how many other words kind of can be pulled out from this title and how that kind of mimics Mickey's um, story and her kind of devolvement from, you know, where she was to where she ends up towards the end. So it was a really um, fun one to work on and just in terms of pushing myself and, and the concept. And kind of like what Dave was saying, when you work in the open office plan, it's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. But when people are walking by the desk and they're like, oh, my God, what are what is happening? <laughs> you're like, oh, wow. OK, that's good then. Right. Like you're stopping to to see and, and ask what's going on. And of course, when you have the word heroin on your screen all day. <laughs> start getting worried. But um, so that was that was one where I really benefited from having a great team to kind of push me along and say, no, this is working. Keep, keep doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that. And, um, we're going to do some neat effects on the printed edition where the word, the title heroine with the E is blind spot glossed on each line. So you'll, you'll see it and then you won't, it'll kind of appear and disappear as you're um, turning the jacket. So, ah. Yeah, you have to wait for that to come out for a little while. It doesn't release winter 2019, but oh, wow. <laughs> building really up the suspense well. now. <laughs> yeah, it's a really. Yeah. I just feel lucky that I get to work on Mindy's Mindy's books because they really they go there. Yeah, and I think it's it's quite a, a bold choice for YA as well because I mean there's a certain aesthetic that we associate with with YA literature mm -hmm. and this really right. goes away from that it, it looks right. like it could be put next to adult novels quite comfortably right. yeah that's what we were definitely going for and that's we've kind of gone been, we've been moving towards that for her covers because I think yes. her books they, they could easily be read by adults and they they have the edginess and the the realness that I think adults would be really drawn to so there, you know, we've been slowly itching there, and I feel like this was finally the book and the cover that we could say, okay, you know what, we don't, we don't need to hold back and keep it in the YA sphere. What would we do if this was really an adult jacket? So, yeah, it's it's, um, it's really fun to do something that can be really type driven and and not so much focused on the imagery. Yeah, and that's something that I think we've seen more in in well YA literature in general, which has mm -hmm. then driven the the way that YA is designed, but we've seen a lot more YA dealing with very adult topics, really. I'm thinking mm -hmm. of um, Louise O'Neill's books as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh they, gosh, they've got really covers. quite yeah. Yeah, gritty, gritty covers. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm thinking, I'm probably thinking of the UK ones, not yeah. the US ones, but I think they're both, yeah, go, mm -hmm. go in that direction. And um, it, it's, it's definitely it's a trend, I think, where happy to be seeing yeah happening 
because often with YA, it's sort of the, you know, hand-lettered type mm-hmm. and and a, a, you know, bright colours. And yeah, mm-hmm. this this is really quite different. And it's nice to see that it could be put in an adult section and, mm-hmm. and that adults could read it on a train and not feel like they're embarrassed for reading YA. <laughs> right, they don't have to take the jacket off of this one. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Hopefully, unless, you know, it does say heroin over and over again. So. It, it does, that's true. You know, there's, no, there's no hiding what you're reading about. <laughs> it needs to be talked about, so it's a good thing. But also because it's, it's such a, a female topic with you've got heroin, you've got, it goes down to mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the, the cover is very, um, very much not, not a feminine cover. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, True, yeah. And the character is not feminine at all. I mean, her name's Mickey. She plays softball. She's a she's a um, catcher in softball. And like, I played softball. The catcher was always kind of the least feminine. The whole <laughs> yeah. so it's like, yeah, we definitely don't want to play into any any tropes here. Like with female of the species, I always I, I still feel like I, we could have pushed that cover to be a little bit more less feminine. But that was always the problem with the we title. Tried. We yeah. tried so hard to make it as, as like gritty as possible, but yeah we got almost a curse word yep and that's yeah. as close as we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right well the next one is again very different um but we are going back to jesse and Hello. the land of yesterday oh the land of yesterday oh <laughs> i love that one so much um can you tell us a bit about the story to start with yeah of course the story is a very um it's super whimsical and it's very much from like purely from imagination and like it's a completely different world um it's about a girl who kind of goes down this rabbit hole of um, trying to find and save her parents, but also like trying to grapple with the fact that maybe possibly she was the reason of her, you know, sibling's death. Um, So it's kind of going through the emotions of what a child might go through in like feeling lost, but it's done in a very beautiful and um, beautifully whimsical way, but it's not, it's not a light, fluffy piece. It's pretty dark. Um, and I think the author did a brilliant job in trying to bring in that darkness into um, a way that a child might understand it. So I thought it was so well written and it's one of my favorites from that mm-hmm. season. Uh, and I think it's going to, hopefully, I really hope that a lot of people read it because it's so beautiful. It's got like a Coraline kind yeah, of vibe. Like a very, Coraline meets, um, I don't even know what it meets. It's like <laughs> Wonderland. Yeah, very much. Coraline. Fantasy. Dark fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and you definitely get both of those things from the cover. Okay. Oh, the sort of you. falling down the rabbit hole look. Mm-hmm. And, and then the colors are very, very Coraline-esque. Right. We wanted, um, it's kind of like the character goes through this phase where she turns into a paper doll. So we were kind of looking into paper artists and trying to see if we could find somebody who could really bring to life um, our main character, Cecilia. And we were able to work with Helen Musselwhite, who's a brilliant paper artist. And she was she brought to life the character and we thought she did it in a really great fashion. And um, it's hard to get like super detailed with paper art, um, but I think Helen did a great job with that. And we we're so thrilled with how it turned out. And the overall package is gonna be beautiful because the inside is also done in, um, instead of doing a black and white printing, we decided to go with a, a PMS color, a Pantone color, which is gonna be like a dark blue. So. The interior illustrations, which were done by uh, Jensen Eckwall, is going to be um, in all blues. So I think it's going to be a really overall great package. It's really beautiful. <laughs> it's so magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. I want to go buy it. Go buy it. I feel like a car deals with. Like... <laughs> what a thing. What a better thing to be to be selling them books. I mean, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really funny because, I mean, every season you, you get a such a different list of um, books and different manuscripts. And when you really fall in love with one, it kind of um, totally takes <laughs> take some precedence over how you design it and like how you want to package it. And I feel like um, you get a lot more opinionated with um, stories that you connect with. So I this is kind of one of those ones that kind of struck me and I hope it, you know, does a little bit to the crowd. <laughs> also, other people have to read it so you have someone to talk to about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Allison and I have just been talking about it, yeah. the two of us, and now we can share it with other people. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the other thing about having to wait so long for the book to come out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> torture. Yeah. A little bit of torture. We also learned a lot about working with paper artists. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have a massive respect for people that work with paper <laughs> because we saw a lot of versions as the as the artist works work and I can't even imagine how many behind the scenes things we missed. But we definitely got an education in Oh, sort of the finality of paper. <laughs> I mean, we're so used to being able to manipulate things and, oh, can't you just change that later? Can't you just change that later? And we learned, nope, once the paper <laughs> is cut, for the most part, things are the way they are. Um, so there's there's a real respect for that art form. And unless you work with paper, I don't know that you have that. Like, I think every, everybody, we just take for granted that everything's digital, but these artists, like, they build this world, they cut the paper, they set it, they light it, they photograph it, and it's a whole, like, set-building world that is happening. So that was really fun to sort of vicariously experience. Mm, that, that's what I was curious about, how it was actually photographed. Yeah, photographed. I mean, we weren't too... I'll let Jesse talk. I'm taking over with my laryngitis <laughs> <laughs> voice. <laughs> Um, and Helen actually had someone that she works with who photographs most of her work and um, he was able to photograph it and send it to us and there were little things that we could change about it like maybe the background how much the contrast of the spotlight was um, on the piece and things like that but most of it once it was done and shot it was that was it and we kind of had to take that leap of faith and it was um, you know Allison and I were corralling the team kind of being like you trust us it's going to be amazing and we're also kind of telling each other let's trust her this is going to be amazing <laughs> so it was a lot of um you know just believing in the artist and hoping that you know it was all going to come together and I think Helen did that and she really delivered so we were really happy with that end product <laughs> and it's so three-dimensional as well which is quite unusual for something that's I mean, you don't think of paper as, as being, as having such depth to it. Yeah. yeah. I think she um, had, basically, she had Cecilia and the vines kind of suspended, and she took the shot, like, from uh, from a distance. So I think they were able to get the shadows. And we were really, um, we really wanted to get the depth shown across, so we asked for heavier shadows and more contrast to give us that extra um dimension we talked about different different specs that we could do and we landed with soft touch yeah. and hopefully that also gives it the extra that we want yeah. yeah it was an extra challenge because the editor who is working on this book hates soft, soft touch <laughs> yeah. she thinks that it feels creepy like we went into this whole conversation about like what people's people's triggers are as far yeah. as like textures they can't handle <laughs> yeah. and she was like grudgingly gave us the okay for the yeah. soft touch even though she probably won't touch it herself yeah. <laughs> we totally give her gloves and she could <laughs> yeah um one last point on this um the typography was that also cut out with paper that was wow. actually um, yeah it's <laughs> crazy i was trying to think um what kind of that, yeah, that was something because we were thinking about how we would set that, whether we would set that in-house or if she would cut it. And I think we liked the idea that she would cut it. But in that way, it would have to be scripts because mm -hmm. then it needed to be connected together for her to cut it out and have it as one piece. So that was something that was brought in because of that. Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's that's so impressive. <laughs> she's so good she's yeah 
and it does look like it's been written by hand as well you sort of look at it and go mm, hang on how how was that done at least i do <laughs> fantastic oh right who have we got next ah oh, so we've got a couple of covers from allison so i'm looking specifically at baby ariel's dreaming out loud and oh yeah <laughs> unfiltered by lily collins oh yeah so um wanted to talk more generally about the the kind of celebrity memoir and and when you're you're working with a, a photograph like this and how you yeah how yeah. the process is different from other books it's very different because <laughs> they are driving the bus for sure. Um, at least these two ladies were, but um, for the most part, I haven't been doing these books very long. Um, I've been working on nonfiction for a couple of years and occasionally we'll get these biographies. Um, but we, it's a whole shoot. We, we did a photo shoot and for the most part, it was very, um, Lily Collins had a whole team of course, because she, is super famous and gets photographed all the time. So luckily that was really just me sort of saying yes to her whole team that she already had in place and the photographer that she wanted. And I felt like I was on the set of something completely different. Like I'd gotten a new job or something because I don't, <laughs> I don't go to LA and shoot at milk studios and deal with Lily mm -hmm. Collins and all these famous hair people and stylists, but it was really fun. And she certainly knew what she wanted. I mean, for her book, she um, we went through a lot of different rounds of sort of just maintaining expectations. And also, I think that um, she definitely had a, a point of view for her book. And I'll say this also, those books are usually not written yet by the time I'm doing the covers. It's um, a work in progress. But for the most part, I get notes on what their story is going to be and sort of the point of view. And certainly, I know the personality. So... Um, you know, it's a lot of it is it ends up being playing off of the title. And I have to say for both of those, I think the titles were in flux too. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's only so much you can do with a portrait, but you want it to tie. I, I kind of studied biographies um, when I had to start into these. But for the most part, there's a little bit of playfulness with the titles. Otherwise, just, there's a huge disconnect. It looks like you have some random title on a photo that could be from anywhere. So... I mean, that's the main thing to think about with them is sort of setting a tone and thinking about the message of the book. I mean, Lily's was a lot about, um, you know, some darker stuff that happened with her, but she wanted it to be on an upbeat um, note. And she actually had this um, this concept from the beginning, and she was really married to the idea that she would be wearing a suit and that this, if I'm trying to remember, this is like a couple years ago now, but she would be wearing a suit and that the knees would be ripped and she wanted it to look like a person who knew what they were doing and dressing up like an adult, but hadn't quite gotten things right. You know, just somebody who was like trying stuff. It just it wasn't working. working. Like, a, we, were, we, were, we tried it on set, we got a suit, we ripped it up. <laughs> and then we were all like, who wears a ripped up suit? Like, this is not really working. We certainly have some outtakes of her in a beautiful suit, but at the end of the day, what ended up working was her in just sort of a more casual, um, conversational pose and outfit. Um, so you try a million different things on set, and certainly they have a million different ideas too. And really my idea is sort of like channeling the publisher and channeling sales and channeling all the marketing people who have told me what they want and then sort of coordinating that talent on set as they choose clothes and tell me what they want and <laughs> certainly with baby Ariel she's got a sort of like bigger than life personality and her personal style was like it's very um streetwear very hip-hop and very now and almost sexy and um, we tried a lot of things on set it was really fun to collaborate um both of those ladies were extremely fun to work with and every time I do one of these shoots I learn something new and yeah it was thing totally different for me so the neon clouds, were they yeah. were they in in the picture or they added it later? Well, both. They so it started. I'm trying to think back. It started with the idea of doing doodle clouds, like having because the inside of the book has a lot of doodles, as if it's a journal or something that you can like. She do, she doodles a lot, so she had actually submitted like art to me, like doodles, and it went from there to maybe we'll have doodles on the cover. And then it went to these sort of like 
I don't know, neon signs that girls put in their room. And all of a sudden we realized like the ones you can buy online, like say from Urban Outfitters or something, they're really tiny. So I actually found a neon studio in Brooklyn, rented these um, neon signs and got them sort of custom made large, had them delivered by art handlers, (laughs) had them um, strung up on set and then realized that those didn't actually work either because to scale them to her was going to be this whole thing. So we ended up shooting the actual neon and then making it, we put him in post with her photo and then it was still kind of too small and not quite significant enough. And we needed something to sort of make it look super fun. And the pose she ended up choosing was, um, what is it? Her hands in the air. And she kind of looks like she's dancing. Anyway, we just went crazy and patterned these neon signs we ended up shooting. So to your question, yes, it's, Yes and no, it's real neon and it's fake neon. <laughs> but that was fun. <laughs> yeah, and the final result is is very effective. Yay, I'm glad. And, she's and the a, way that it really... works with the typography as well. That Yes, that was um, our designer, Michelle Taramina's uh, handiwork, and she did a great job, like sort of marrying neon and fake neon um, type, because that type is not neon. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it yeah and I wanted to ask about the the type on the Lily Collins one as well is oh yeah so, so obviously it's it's sort of hand lettered is that based on her handwriting or anything like that it's funny she actually wanted to hand letter it and she had great hand lettering um but no it is not her writing but it is based on just her stuff she wanted it to be handwritten and look like it was but it, at the end of the day it was not her um, personal handwriting. Although we do use that in a couple of places in the interior and I think she has a tattoo that is handwritten. So yeah, it was very much, um, a specific choice to yeah. do that. It all comes together very nicely. It all comes together. <laughs> so are these quite typical of that sort of work when, when you're working directly with the author and having a, a photograph on the front? Yeah, I'd say so. I haven't done that many and every um, person has been very different and they approach it very differently. Lily was very, um, very hands-on and had a vision from the beginning. Um, And Ariel was very, um, very trusting of us and that was really sweet. She didn't have as much experience with books. Of course, she was a lot younger, so there's that. Um, And her image is sort of being sculpted right now. She's not so much, I mean, Lily is a huge star, so she had I don't know if more at stake is something that I can say, but just, you know, she's got a, she already has a huge, what I'm trying to say, brand. Yeah, brand. Um, so, yeah, it depends on that. Um, I did a book with um, a Vine star named Matthew Espinosa, and he also was very fun to work with. We ended up shooting at his house for two days. Um, the cover is him in a director's chair, and we actually thought it was going to be something completely different. We had all these really fun pool toys that we thought we would like have him hold up um just because he's like a California kid and it was like just a fun set and at some point we thought it was going to be him holding this dinosaur and he looked at me and was like don't you know I have a thing about dinosaurs (laughs) I was like no but I'm gonna pretend like I do know that and that I did my research and so we were all set thinking he'd be holding this like inflatable dinosaur and at the end of the day there was some behind the story backstory about dinosaurs where he was never going to let us do that and I had no clue so of course everyone comes with their own bit of you know history personality um story and at the end of the day the director chair was the one that that made the cover yeah oh how interesting and very very different from other sort of work very different yeah but more and more there's so many books I'm trying to think who paved the way but there's certainly a lot of um I don't know probably with reality everything reality tv and stories being real I think there's a huge place in in the market for teens wanting to read about other teens or even mm-hmm. somebody older than them for these for guidance and it's not enough to just have fiction about topics I think teens are connecting with um people that, like that they want to admire or that they are looking up to or just have life experience it's kind of nice Moving back to Erin, and we've got Monday's Not Coming. Yes. Which is a very, very bold cover. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This one that happened very recently. Um, this book is about a girl that goes missing in the DC area, and it kind of has like um, Tiffany's first book. There's a little bit of a true news true crime tie where you know they're kind of loosely based on things that are actually happening in dc and so she wrote the story about a, a girl named monday that goes missing and her best friend is trying to find her but no one seems to care that she's gone missing and it's it's really beautiful and heartbreaking and and it's told in um kind of flash forwards and flashbacks and and there's a lot of play with like memory and and time passage in it so from the beginning, we we knew we wanted something kind of graphic and bold and eye-catching. And um, I started playing with imagery and things that would kind of evoke police tape and a police, like a um, body outline, like a crime, crime scene kind of thing. And um, that was tricky because, that you know, the type is not linear and it, it has to repeat and it has to form a shape. <laughs> and those are all things that are... Uh, not very common in the in YA book covers, so that was really the biggest challenge was finding the right image and then marrying the hand lettering and the imagery and the the composition in a way that still kept the concept, but um, took it a step farther. You know, still felt like a book cover. And what I really like about this combination is that you have this imagery that's kind of tied to crime and and murder and and like kind of a you know the scenes of of this crime but then this very alive and very real girl in the middle of it and it kind of it's kind of hints towards the story you don't know what's happened to her whether she's just missing or if something worse has happened and and you just want to find out so hopefully it's the kind of thing that gets you grabs you and makes you want to read more and and figure out what's going on definitely and was it difficult to manipulate that text so that it would go around? I imagine that, that yeah. would be quite challenging. <laughs> we went through a lot of versions and, you know, it was smaller, it was bigger. There were more versions of the title. There were less versions of the title. And we got to something very close to this. And they were like, well, you can't tell what the title is. And I was like, well, what is it if it's not Tiffany Jackson? I mean, it's got to be something, something else that's on there. So it was just a, a matter of balancing, making it a little bit bigger on the top and hopefully not too noticeably bigger so that you still keep the, the white outline and the police tape feel, but um, it kind of reads as the title of the book. It's yeah. also kind of an odd title. For a long time, I wasn't sure how I felt about the title when we first, it was the original title and it changed for a little bit and then came back and and. The whole time, like, I don't know what to do with this. But um, when this concept kind of started coming together, it all made sense. And I was like, oh, no, now I love this title. And this title feels right and fits fits with the book and the cover concept. So it's always nice when it happens. Mm. So I take take it all of this was done digitally. It was digitally, yeah. This, I, I try to do hand lettering real again. I mean, I... Every now and then I, I end up just going to pen and paper because it's so much easier and you get a better result. But because we were working around this image and reworking it so much and we were changing in and out the silhouette of the girl until we found the right, the perfect image of the girl, it just was easier to kind of keep going um, through it digitally. So this was created digitally. So just to get to the, the nitty gritty of how you, how you actually uh -huh. did that, are, are you using a, a Wacom tablet or something like that? Yes, I have a, we all have pretty nice Wacom tablets here. Um, I used pretty much every one of Kyle's brushes until I found the right one. <laughs> we, have, we have a set of Kyle's amazing brushes and I think every designer has a set. Maybe it's like now it's kind of standard toolkit that everyone has Kyle's brushes. But um, just finding the right texture and weight was hard. So I tried every single brush and then played with the sizing of it I was like okay this feels like the the weight and the thickness of police tape but then also kind of feels like a chalk mm. you know writing and that brings it back to I, that YA look the YA look exactly yeah. like something that makes it feel a little bit fresher um yeah and I'm still amazed that they 
let me do this. <laughs> I think every time yes. I look at it, I'm like, wow, we really made that happen. I mean, of course, they had to stick a blurb on top of it at, at the last, last minute and yeah. kind of break my heart a little bit. But it's an amazing blurb from an amazing author. So, you know, that's okay. And hopefully we made it um, subtle enough that it doesn't take away from the overall feel of the jacket. No, I think it balances it quite nicely, really. Okay. Oh, picture it without that. That's how it was before. And I think I'm still like drawn. I'm just attached to that, but I'm coming around to that. <laughs> and then one of, you know, one of my favorite things on the jacket um, is that the back cover image is a full bleed image of the same girl. And she's kind of looking down and you see her braids behind her. And it's just really beautiful and, and dark. And I thought it was an unexpected choice for the back cover. Mm. Something different um so with this cover were you were you thinking of any other covers when you were designing this well yeah i'm hard enough to think of the things that are out there in the market and definitely um you give was everywhere and it's such an amazing cover and, you know, I will forever be in awe of that jacket. I think it's like perfection. So, and that has similar, that like, you know, the rip from the news, rip from the headlines feel to it. So we had that to kind of contend with. And I did definitely, one, because that's my team, I don't want to in any way rip off what they're doing or copy them, but also just because I don't want to do that to anyone. So that was definitely a challenge to come up with something that felt simple and stark and, and bold and graphic but wasn't that you know yeah I, I think it it goes nicely alongside a book like the hate you give but it it doesn't um yeah it, it doesn't look too similar good i'm glad <laughs> my, my colleagues would never forgive me if i ever said that, so. <laughs> I, I wouldn't forgive myself i just you know there's so many great covers out there that I think you can kind of, it's one of the things that we're constantly being asked to do is, you know, if the book is selling really well. They want everything to look like that because yeah. it's selling really well. And, and that's a great thing, but that, you know, we don't, don't want all of the covers looking the same, you know, within the company and even, across, you know, we don't want to copy our friends who are also book designers. So no, no. You know, how do we find a way to take something that's working well and, and develop it further and, and come up with our own version of it and um, not pee on other people's successes. So that's always a challenge that we're struggling with. And I don't know if that's maybe something more so in teen. I think they really, they pick up on what's selling well and then we all, have, everything kind of has to look like that. So started with Twilight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we blame Twilight for all of this. <laughs> so, yeah. Somehow, like, never picked up on the Hunger Games. That was never the cover to copy, even though <laughs> it sold like hotcakes. And, yeah, but Twilight, really, everything had to look like that. <laughs> it's true. It all went back to the vampires somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk to David about the M- Mackenzie Lee books. Yes. Which I have are, both here. They, they just, they're so fun. I've read the first one. Oh yeah! Just thought that it was awesome, <laughs> just so <laughs> ridiculous, but also wonderful. And yeah. we've got this new one coming out. So this is the the Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue, and the new one is the Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy. They're just mm-hmm. the best titles. And I know they're a lot of fun. Yeah. So, what was your thought process? Well, well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the books to start with, and then a bit about your thought process when when it came to doing the cover well like you said they're really uh playful and and fun books and 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 starting on the cover i kind of had to match that playful and funness um and it's the first story is uh, monty uh is a young gentleman and uh, before he comes back to take over his father's uh estate he they, it's a pastime when they go on this kind of grand tour and and but I, I don't know the, the so the so their oats or whatever. But yeah, before basically before coming uh, home to be an adult, they get to go on this grand tour of Europe, and he goes with his best friend Percy, um, he's in love with, 
and they go and kind of get all of their crazy partying antics out before he has to come home. So when I was um, working on this, I was kind of trying to uh, historical references of this book. Um, and what I thought would be great is to show Monty um, kind of as the gentleman that maybe his father wants him to be and then overlay his kind of party and crazy personality over top of it with this strange type and and the doodles. I call them doodles. That's what they're called in my Photoshop files. So yeah. <laughs> I will call them here. Um, yeah, so working on this, I, I had a bunch of different ideas, but then I started working on this kind of outline type and putting these doodles in it and uh, and trying to find this photo of Monty. Um, and I went looking for photos of someone who matched uh, Monty's uh, physical description and somebody in this kind of old-timey garb. And if I could find someone with that looked like him and was wearing this clothing, it would be fantastic. But of course, that's impossible. Uh, guys that look like that are in leather jackets, and everybody wearing these this kind of clothing looks like a complete door with a powdered wig. <laughs> um, so we uh, employed the great talents of uh, Travis Comier, uh, is a fantastic uh, photo illustrator. So he chopped the head off of one guy and put it on the body of the other guy <laughs> and uh, did it in this fantastic way where it looks really real um, and then did some editing top of it to make uh to give it this kind of old timey feel but with modern it's a blue haze over it that's really fantastic um and he just did a great job and then to kind of sew in tight and the tools over top of this it really came together nicely and, yeah. and then the next one did do you yeah. manage to find a photograph for that one <laughs> That is a, a funny story, actually, because this is a thing that I feel like people always plan on. This might happen, but it never does. Uh, there was a photo shoot for a book um, where the photo shoot ended up getting completely killed, and we had all these photos uh, that weren't being used. And my, uh, my art director's uh, Amy Ryan was like, hey, I think we might have something for that. Um, and I was just started looking through all these photos, and they were great. The model was perfect, and the clothing was uh, time period appropriate. Um, so we found some great stuff, and the the icy stare, icy stare. That's not the, um, yeah. but great. She has a great expression on her face, but um, it wouldn't be a part of the series if we didn't have to chop her head off and put her on a different body because <laughs> different dress she was wearing during the photo shoot. That was that was really uh, perfect. So um, it's yeah, it came together nicely, and then started pulling some doodles together and uh, overlay her. Uh, ladylike photo with her crazy badass pirate personality with the yeah. doodle lettering. I must say, I'm very excited to read this next book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's exciting. <laughs> They're so absurd, but just yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And I think that the the covers really get that with the historical okay. side of things, and then the yeah wacky. Is yeah, gentleman I was assigned uh, almost immediately after getting hired here, so I was like, I gotta, wow. I gotta prove myself. I gotta do something great. <laughs> so I had so much drawing involved. I was really working hard to prove I wasn't a phony. <laughs> <laughs> and and the typography, I take it that's also hand drawn. Yeah, it's based on a font, um, but I really got in there and changed a lot and manipulated and drew over top of it because it it wasn't weird enough for for my tastes. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's based on uh, letter forms, but it's my own drawing. And now the color is just completely not something you would expect for the for the time period, but it works yeah. so well. Yeah, I wanted it to seem like it was historical, but it is such a modern telling and a modern perspective on this kind of uh, grand tour, 1800s uh, adventure. So that was really... Um, that was fun and that we were able to do this kind of bright almost neon fifth color mm. for gentleman's guide it's really exciting and uh yeah i'm picking out really great purples as we speak for the ladies guide yeah <laughs> oh wonderful so how often do you guys work with with freelancers pretty often yeah um yeah, it's anything that we can't do ourselves we want it to look <laughs> perfect um so we hire people who can do it perfectly yeah <laughs> well said yeah <laughs> we're, we're all perfectionists here basically yeah. but yeah that, that's that's interesting especially as you're quite a big team but i, yeah. I suppose mm -hmm. when there's a, a very specific style that you need then that's yeah i think we do a lot we do a lot in-house i think maybe more 
than some other publishers. We do because we have so many talented people that do hand lettering and illustration and and um, all sorts of in between, you know, like doodling and and a lot of amazing Photoshop skills. We have one person who's like building all this crazy 3D stuff himself. So I think, you know, we have this wide range of skills that we can do a lot in house. And so we try and do everything we can in house and then, you know, where we want someone that is a professional or, or specializes, that's when we kind of go out of house. Mm. And, and how do you go about finding those sorts of people? Well, I guess it kind of depends on what it's for. I mean, a lot of the projects we have a repertoire of illustrators and artists and CG people and and retouchers that we go to over and over again. And then sometimes you have to find someone who's very specialized and, so that's a, always a little difficult to kind of break outside your normal people. So something fun. like The Land of Yesterday, had you worked with that illustrator or that paper artist before? No, I don't think we had. But um, what's great is that, you know, with our day and age, with Instagram and Pinterest and things like that, it's easy to get lost in that, like, uh, one of those social media platforms and to trace and kind of figure out who would be the best for the project and, you know, and like Erin was saying, you really need to find someone that's specialized. Then you could look through social media or you could also like look through um, artist reps who have agencies and be able to find them through there too. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing with Helen was actually um, she was repped by somebody that we've worked with before. But also uh, I actually found her on uh, Pinterest, Pinterest a few times and then I, she's, she's perfect. perfect. And then we were thankfully like she was repped, which was great. That was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for getting you all together at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for coordinating too. This is great. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Please be sure to rate and review us too. This show is hosted by Holly Dunn and edited by Eric Wilder. Our theme song is Sweet Berry Wine by Blue Wednesday. And Spine is a production of Spine Magazine. For show notes, articles, audio and video about the enormous talent that goes into creating books, visit spinemagazine.co.